Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to our Universal Monsters series. Today, this is number seven in the series, uh, The Bride of Frankenstein. I'm your host, Jimbo, and my co-host, Twinkie the Kid, Terrence. <laughs> so uh, here we go once again. We don't spend a lot of time. We just jump right into this and nail it out, unlike a regular episode where we'd spend yeah. a little bit more time making sure Terrence is awake and, you know, goofing off a little bit. Since we're on Twinkies, funny thing about Twinkies... I didn't eat one until like really late into my adult life because I was always like really big and I'm like I'm not gonna complete the the fat guy trope. I'm never eating a Twinkie. So really? I did, yeah. I didn't what about eat deep fried Twinkie? Like, Twinkie you ever had? I a deep still never had a deep fried Twinkie. I've never owned a Hawaiian shirt either. Oh no. <laughs> okay. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein release date May sixth, nineteen thirty five. Its budget was 400000 and fun fact, it went 1000 over budget. Execs must have been really mad about that one. 100000 over budget. 100000 over budget. I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, box office, 
2 million. So this one did really well uh, versus a lot of the other ones that we a lot of the other ones are more or less cult classics and respect it. Uh, but this one actually made its money back. Well, I think I think also because by now, uh, Boris Karloff has become a staple uh, name. Absolutely. In these movies. And the, the director, James Well, he's done yep. several. So That's very true. Uh, this was directed by, of course, James Well. <laughs> Writing credits, of course, Mary Shelley, the one who wrote the original book in 1816. But see, that plays a crucial role in this movie, too. It does. And uh, we'll talk about it which here. Which is very minute. interesting. Uh, William Hurlbut, uh, which adapted the book into the movie uh, for writing the script. John L. Balderston as John Balderston. Uh, William Hurlbut again <laughs> for the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Byrne uncredited. Lawrence G. Blockman uncredited. Robert Foley story uncredited. Philip McDonald adaptation uncredited. Tom Reed uncredited. R.C. Sheriff Uncredited. Elmond Pearson. Uncredited. <laughs> Morton Corvin. You are struggling. Uncredited. So <laughs> if you guys could see the pain on his face <laughs> as he's trying to read these, <laughs> it's it's fighting the tired and also trying to just get the names out without stuttering at this point. <laughs> Because like you, when your mind wants to say one thing, but you're like, that's not how it's said. Just say it right in the first time and not say it wrong and then say it right. Uh, you know the entire time we've been doing this, you have been saying monsters. It's monsters. Because <laughs> you keep saying monsters. I keep going back to the TV show, The Monsters, you know, I mean, <laughs> in my head because, you know, Frankenstein and the, you know, the girl that kind of yeah, looks I, like I say some uh, – my wife gets on me on some of those words I say weird, like uh, caramel. And then she's like, no, yeah, I can't even say it that way. I've tried. <laughs> and uh, who's the other, I think it was, is it uh, Shaquille O'Neal who says it Carmel too? Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, now we are on to the tech specs. Runtime, one hour and 15 minutes. So once again, it's a nice little fun movie. Uh, you can quick watch. Sque- quick watch. I-, I like these quick little watches. Uh, they're easy to squeeze into a busy day. Sound mix mono, and for those who don't know what sound mix mono is, I thought I'd cover it real quick. So, mono is when there's just one audio track. So when you, the easiest way to explain is if you put headphones on, you're gonna hear the same audio through both earphones. Versus if it's stereo, there is two audio tracks. There's one for the left, one for the right. Sometimes it'll go from you can hear both things, and then you'll hear something on the left ear or the right ear, depending on where someone's orientation is in the room, if it's a movie or if it's music. Sometimes they'll play the bass in one ear and then the main guitar in the other ear. So kind of like, like that. the old audio dramas where you would hear somebody walk in, open the door on this side, and they're walking across exactly. the room to the and other side. And then you'll hear it move from one side of the speaker right. to the other oh, side. Oh, I thought that was really and, cool. Yeah, and then that's the you know whole appeal of a surround sound system. It utilizes stereo with multiple audio tracks, and then it, you get that... Uh, and obviously the best is if you have that 360 audio. And, and there then, is nothing like watching Saving Private Ryan in a 360 surround sound, man. Because I, I, I the bullets sounded like they were shooting behind my ears. You know I mean? Like yeah. shooting at me. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Intense. And so um, that's what sound, a lot of these are on a mono soundtrack. Most of the older movies are. Um, our next episode we do, I'll look in more into uh, when stereo became a thing and more common. Um, color, black and white. As all Universal movies, monster <laughs> movies, 
Aspect ratio, 1.37 by 1. Um, now, this is a fun fact. Uh, the 1.37 by 1 is for the old square TVs. And the reason why that's important is because in most re-releases, it pulls it in the widescreen. And sometimes when you do that, it cuts off the top and bottom of a movie. Where nowadays you get it in reverse, where if you have a full screen, it'll cut off the sides. The the and also sometimes the top and bottom too because it's more fit to screen instead of how it should be. So modern movies you really want to watch in widescreen because then you'll get what you're intended to see. And that was the whole thing is um, a lot of directors see it as visual vandalism to cut part of the movie off, like whether it's just the top and bottom of it, just because you're not getting the full vision of what say, the director wanted you to exactly. see. Exactly. Like um, I think the first one that I really noticed that in is I bought the. Star Wars trilogy uh, when they re-released them or whatever in the yep. deluxe widescreen edition. Yep. And you see, you miss so much stuff that you did not know was there on the side of the screen. And you're like, well, now this makes sense because exactly. you see stuff that you never knew was there. Exactly. Uh, for the older, older movies, it, it was uh, the opposite problem is it, it took sort of, uh, you know, the, the the square image and it made it rectangle, thus cutting off the top and bottom. Um that's a little fun fact is the 1.37 by 1 is for those old square TVs. Uh, film length, 8 reels. Negative format, 35 millimeter. And now what negative format means is that's just the film itself, uh, the actual film that's in the reels. Cinemagraphic process, spherical, printed film format, 35 millimeters. And now off to the awards. This one has an Academy Award. No, finally. Uh, this is in 1936. They were nominated for an Oscar for Best Sound Recording, Gilbert Curland, Sound Director. Uh, so that's huge and notable because all the other movies we've covered didn't even get a nomination. Right, but so. um, you got to remember that we're just pulling out some movies out of that whole list. That's so true. I don't know if there was anything in this time frame between 1923... To this 60. movie, well, oh, well right, this but to this movie, yeah. movie was 1935. I don't know if there was anything that we haven't covered that did win something. You know what I mean? Oh, as far so as we'll like have to look into that. Movies. Right. Well, I mean, it, 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 the ones we have watched are the more iconic ones and the ones that have, everyone's have seen. Right. Maybe maybe uh, on our Universal Monster Recap show, yeah. that we talk about everything. We'll see if we can't pull up, see if there's any major ones that we missed or haven't didn't cover in these this series yeah. that we can provide for them. That's a good idea. I like that. Uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, just like all the others. This one won three years, obviously, for the collection in 2017, 2013, and 2005. And this one made it to the film, uh, the National Film Preservation Board, 1998. It won National Film Registry. How, how many films were in the National Film Registry, do you know? And how many get selected a year? As far as, like, when they pick winners and stuff, that well, like, is a to great go question. Into I'll the... definitely... Uh, look into that and bring that up next time uh, when we do. It, I'm pretty sure the, the last two we cover will, ha- or we have three more movies that we're covering. Right. I'm sure one of those will make the. Well, then we'll have a recap show where we just tell yeah. our thoughts on it. And if it whole. doesn't make that, yeah, we'll be able to throw it in the recap. So now on to the synopsis. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read the little synopsis we have because I am too tired and not creative enough to impromptu my own synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> so, what if I take uh, your sheet away real quick? <laughs> uh, so, uh, synopsis is Dr. Frankenstein 
Albeit he didn't want to. Uh, against his own will, has to create a mate for his monster. <laughs> we need building to, suspense we need, with we long need to, pauses. We need to insert the creature from the Black Lagoon music right there. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and jump into this. And for those of you that don't know, The Bride of Frankenstein... Um, to me, it's it's got a lot of comedic value in it. It does, uh, yeah. No, it's very... And I know you very high, think very highly of this movie, too. <laughs> so we'll get there. So the cast, real quick, of course, Boris Karloff as the monster, and Colin Clive uh, reprises his role as Henry Frankenstein. Uh, Valerie Hobson as Elizabeth Frankenstein. Ernest Thesiger as Dr. Pretorius. Also, a uh, fun fact, Abella Lugosi, as well as Claude Rains. Um, you have heard us talk about them before. We're considered for the role of Dr. Pretorius. Now, I would have really liked to see Claude Rains in particular. Just because the manicness he had in, yeah, but, in The but, Invisible Man. But you just, don't know what he looks like. You just know his voice. Well, you see him in the end. Well, you see him dead. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You, you see him dead in the bed. Uh, Elsa Lanchester as Mary Shelley and the Bride of Frankenstein, which is the monster's bride. Yep. Uh, Bridget Helen was uh, considered for this role, but she was recently married and didn't want to leave Germany. So oh, well, I was like, well, well, fine, be that yeah. way. And then Louise Brooks was also considered. Gavin Gordon as Lord Byron, Douglas Walton as Piercy Blythe Shelley, Una O'Connor as Minnie, which is we all remember <laughs> as the screaming lady from <laughs> from the Invisible Man. She reprises her screaming role. And she actually has a dual role in this movie. She does. Um, at the beginning, if you remember uh, when you're coming in and you see the, the maid walking out the dogs from... That's her yeah. walking the dogs yep. out, even though she's on there just split second. E.E. E. Clive as the Burgo Master. Lucille Privil as Frankenstein's butler. O.P. That's O.P., not O.G. Uh, Heggy as the Hermit. Uh he played a fantastic, fantastic role. Uh, Dwight Fry as Carl, one of and uh, the one of the Pretorius's henchmen. Yeah. So this guy, <laughs> he was the in the Carl, which was the original Igor in yeah. Frankenstein. He was in. Um, he's been in several of the movies that we've covered. I thought it was funny that they reused him because his face is the same. He's just right. not hunchbacked like right. Igor was, but. Or they no Fritz. Fritz was his name. Fritz, in, yeah. In, uh, Car- uh, he was some somebody else though that we covered because he's been in like three or four of these. Yeah. Because he always plays the same role. Yeah. But um, what was cool about this movie, and I'll put that in right here, is they use some of the original footage from Frankenstein as like a recap at the That's beginning true. when she's yeah. telling the story, and and I thought it was really cool to see how I, this is like maybe one of the first times I can ever remember them playing old footage. To a new film, yeah. As far as as far as old that films I, go, right. this is the first time I've seen it too. Uh, Ted Billings as Ludwig, uh, he was one of Pretorius's henchmen. Reginald Barlow as Hans, the father of the killed girl Maria from, from the original Frankenstein. Which, if you remember right, that's the one where Frankenstein's uh, making daisies float and he runs out <laughs> of daisies, her and throws her in the water, and she drowns. And then they somehow have impeccable detective work and that find out that. that he, yeah, that still haunts me. It's like, oh, she was murdered. Well, how do you know she was murdered? If she was on the water's edge and fell in and she can't swim. Sherlock was on the case. We just didn't know it. Uh, Mary Gordon as Han's wife. Anne Darling as the shepherdess. Jay Gunnis Davis as Uncle Glutz. Walter Brennan as a peasant, even though he was uncredited. And John Carradine as a hunter, even though he was uncredited. So, Terrence. 
this is obviously on the 1001 movies before you die. I'm not even going to look that up and I'm not even going to say it was true. I'm just it has to be one. This is the one the Jimbo's 1001 movies before you die. But I really do believe it it was one that we had to do or have you have to see. Jimbo's critically acclaimed list of movies. Uh, this was shot in only 46 days. Approximately $400,000 budget as you said. Yep. Even though they went over pretty pretty bad. Um there was something else. What was it? Uh, well, we'll go ahead and just start talking about the movie. And when I get it, there's a lot. There's a lot of notes for this movie, um, even though a lot to unpack, ladies and gentlemen. Right. <laughs> the, the, we'll just say this. Even though the title is The Bride of Frankenstein, what you're going to come to find out is she's only in the movie less than three minutes. Yeah. Um, outstanding role. She looks crazy. Um, but as me and Terrence were discussing before we dove into this, is we say the Bride of Frankenstein, and everybody automatically goes to the thoughts, and even I did, as, and yeah. I just discovered this, goes to the monster, uh, Frankenstein's monster's mate with the hair and all that. Yeah. And I told Terrence, I said, it just hit me that maybe they're not talking about that that Bride of Frankenstein. Maybe they're actually talking about the scientist Frankenstein's wife. Yeah. That they just got married, the Bride of the Dr. Frankenstein. Because this movie, you see them, They had, I think they had just been married or were getting married. She has a lot more screen time in this one. Right. And, uh, you know, the whole movie is about her. They, they even kidnap her at a yep. point. And, and it's it's a lot about her. So you could use it both ways. As, as, as crazy as it gets when some people say, hey, I'm going to watch Frankenstein the movie, your mind automatically goes when you say Frankenstein. It goes straight to the monster. Yeah, exactly. Even you know, though you know, even though it's, it's Doctor Frankenstein, monster and from doc, yeah, made right. by Doctor Frankenstein. And, you know, yeah. even even people start calling him Frank. You know, <laughs> everybody, yeah. everybody's mind just even though it's totally wrong. Yeah, everybody just automatically assume Frankenstein. Okay, that's the big green monster with the bolts in his neck. You know, what I mean? exactly. Same, same way with this one, the Bride of Frankenstein. You automatically go to the lady with the frizzy hair. Oh you yeah. Know? So all right, Terrence, let's go ahead and start breaking down this movie. So obviously it starts out really different. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a lightning storm going on outside a storm, and you see this guy staring out the window with his pipe or whatever, and um, you see this lady, uh, and, and you start talking. Uh, he starts talking about, hey, uh, you know, this kind of reminds me of when you uh, wrote Frankenstein. You know how Frankenstein's monster was raised on this day, and and it come to find out it's actually Mary Shelley, the lady that wrote the book. Yep. Talking to uh, Pierce Blythe Shelley's there and. The other guy, the Byron, I think, or yeah. Byron, we'll call him. And, you know, and he's like, um, well, you know, too bad that they're all dead. And she's like, they're not dead. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean they're not dead? <laughs> they got burned up in a windmill. She said, no, you guys only think they were dead. Yeah. And they're like, oh, tell us what happened, Mary. Tell us what happened. You know, so they're begging. Yeah, there. exactly. And it's it's kind of your classic, uh, you know, it's it's raining, so let me tell you the story kind of thing, right? Scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> so she's like, all right, so everybody thought they were dead, but here's what really happened, you know? So, yeah, you like my little mon- Universal Monster guy? <laughs> so um, the next thing you go cut to is she's given a recap of – Frankenstein the movie and you're seeing clips about you know it started off with um, Fritz and Frankenstein getting yep. up the bone you show you see cut down the body so yeah this this whole thing is a, a really wonderful recap of the previous movie and really it, very well, well done, done. Like, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say it just because when I first started the movie and I was like this is a strange place to pick up like I have no idea what's going yeah, on like, but then they start talking people? about it and then they're like oh you wrote that wonderful book I was like oh crap okay yeah she's the, she made the book and then um how they just transition so smoothly into her recapping 
as the they entire show, movie of Frankenstein. Yeah, and as like they 30 show seconds. like the scenes and stuff like that, and then they smoothly transition into the movie. Just like, oh, the story isn't done yet, and because uh, you get to the, you get to if you haven't listened to our Frankenstein episode, make sure you list, go back and listen to this because we're going to be talking about some stuff. But when the uh, it, it goes straight to the windmill and it's still on fire, and it yeah. looks like the exact same scene. You know what I mean? And um, you have Maria's dad there, and you ha- his wife, and you have all the townspeople. And the one guy gets up and he's like, "Oh, he's dead. Go home. There's nothing more to see here." And uh, the excitement's Maria's, gone from the crowd. Everybody's sleepy, right? And Maria's <laughs> dad is standing there, and, he, and his wife's like, "Come on, let's go." He's like, "I am not leaving till I see the body." Yep. And uh, I was like, "Man." So everybody else is leaving, and, and here I am. I'm like, "How is this guy just still standing here?" And the cop is shuttling right? everybody away, right? So, um, basically, the the windmill collapses. And so he's like, I got to see the body. So he climbs down, starts climbing down into this hole. Yeah. And what you what you see is you see under the, and you see like this hand just come around the corner of like a cave, you know, the the entrance, and it's Frankenstein's yeah. hand. You can tell he's been burnt. He steps out. He's got he looks different. Um, and we'll talk a little bit of reason why he looks different here yeah. a little bit. But you can tell he's been burnt and all that. And so the guy's climbing down, and Frankenstein just grabs him and just chokes him out underwater yep just and uh so right the lady's the up drink. at the top and so you start seeing frankenstein starts climbing out and the lady uh turns she starts calling, calling out to her husband and she's like oh it's taking him so long so she goes to investigate and then does she no she does she throw down oh no, no that's right I, I remember no no, no i remember she turns her back and she she hears him scream and then she's like oh what's going on so she she goes over to see what's going what's happening and then uh yeah, she sees him in the water. No, I and, think, and then she sees the hand come up out of the top. Remember? Oh, and yeah, she goes that's to right. grab his hand, and when she grabs his hand, she, she turns, thought it was she thought it was yeah. her husband. She turns her back and she starts pulling, you know, helping Frankenstein out of this hole. And so he finally gets up, and she turns around. He's like, he takes her. He just he just throws her down in the hole. I just started busting out laughing because I was like, this yeah. is amazing. Another like obvious uh, uh, doll prop, but still like super hilarious. Right. <laughs> I thought this was that was a, a really well done because it set the tone. Because you were like, what just happened? And it was hilarious all at the same time. Right. So you got Frankenstein out. He's walking around, and he runs into Minnie, and she turns and looks, and she's like, what? <laughs> she starts screaming. Yeah. Well, they've already started carting Frankenstein all back to his house, castle, whatever. They've presumed him dead. Right. They think he is dead. Even though this is a little contradictory because at the beginning or at the end of the last movie. He's very much alive. Yeah. Remember, and they throw him off the windmill. He hits the thing. And he's like, oh, he's alive. Let's get him back to his father's house. I thought they said. But then it changed. Now he's passed out and well, they, dead. But, they, but, but yeah, yeah, he's dead. They don't know. And they so, take him to his fiance. Right. So uh, the lady screams. She's like, oh, they're not going to believe this. So Frankenstein wanders off the other way. She starts running. I got to go tell somebody. Yep. You know? So uh, they get him home. They um, they um, throw him on the table. You know, and yeah. they're like, oh, he's dead. They're like, well, somebody needs to go tell his fiance that's upstairs yeah. what's going on. And then Minnie comes running. No, no, the monster's alive. No, or Frankenstein's alive. <laughs> like he's dead right here on the table. I, I will up. say, um, I don't, I don't remember what the lines were, but I just remember like the rest of the crowd kind of really being insensitive about oh, all yeah. of it. <laughs> well, they were kind of glad, I think, that he was dead just from everything that he had done. Do they know he created him? I don't know if they created him, but remember he was known as the crazy guy. That's he, true. Like, yeah. So. Finally, somebody says, "No, look, wait, he's breathing." So they, oh, he's let's get him upstairs, you know. So they yeah. carry him up to the bed. Uh, so the next thing that you see is, I do believe this is where you get your first. Um, he's he's up in the bed with 
uh, sitting there, and she's they're talking about stuff about being married, blah blah blah. And you he, hear this he's filled with regret right. from the experiment, uh, and she's like, uh, basically, I think they're just talking about their light, like how yeah. They he's want like, their he's like, I'm done doing go. this, yeah. you know. I want to, you know, turn over. To, we're going to start seeing the world, stuff. Yeah. Like that. And then you hear the knock at the door. <laughs> and many the if you guys know who it is, if you remember the Invisible Man, she's the one that just screams Whoa! all the time. All the time, she does this in this movie too. So um, she goes and answers the door, and uh, she's like, "Who could be here this time of night?" Like, yeah. she's just she mumbling to herself. She goes over and she opens the door, uh, cracks it, and uh, can I help you or whatever? Yeah, and she's like, "He's, he's not well." Yeah, he's like, "He won't, he won't see you." Uh, like, said, I he'll can't let he'll you see in. me. Tell him, Doctor Pretorius. Like, Tell him my name. He'll know who I am. Doctor so, Pretorius. She's like, "Who?" <laughs> like Doctor Pretorius. This happens five or six times. Uh, just, this, what was your name this again? Almost Doctor Pretorius. This almost deserves to be in a Mel Brooks film right here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So she lets you. She's like, "You stay right here." And she starts walking up. The, she's following her. And she oh, yeah. said, "What was your name again, Doctor Pretorius?" <laughs> she does it like three over times. and over. What? What was? And she again? tells him to stay like two or three times too. And so they get upstairs, and she's like, "You stay right here. I'm gonna go." So he goes. He's like, he's like, sir. And she or she walks in the room. She's like, sir, there's a man here to see you. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, she said something like kind of like a shadowy figure. I, uh, I can't yeah, remember the yeah, word. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the word I'm looking for. So uh, he's like, oh, he's like, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling well. You know, tell yeah. me to come back. And he opens the door. and He's like. Yeah, Dr. yeah. Doctor Frankenstein, like, like I comes am Doctor Pretorius. He's trying to just. What do you want? In. You know, he's like, <laughs> you will come see me. You know, well, I need, that to, point I need to talk like, to you. Yeah, um, and then they have the conversation where he's like, "I, I know your experiment was a success." Uh, and then at that I point, too. he immediately went to collaborate. Now, I don't know if it immediately spells out their relationship together in the past. I mean, clearly they weren't on equal standing before because he mentions that they are now on equal standing and they can conduct a collaborative experiment. But was he just given his age being older than Frankenstein? Was he sort of a teacher, a mentor, uh, or, or was Frankenstein or was, an assistant? Like or, either way, there's a prior relationship, obviously. Well, you could see that or, or even if they were in school at the same time, maybe this guy started later in life, but this guy, or maybe he was in school and Frankenstein was so crazy and great and creative with his ideals that he surpassed what this guy could do. So uh, kind yeah, of maybe. as, you know what I mean? Where he had the brain, this guy, well, I, the reason why I think, yet. I think Pictorius had a sort of a higher standing just because the way he speaks to Frankenstein, right? Um, so he, because he does mention, he now sees him as an equal, which it makes it sound like he didn't before. So he saw himself as better. But then Frankenstein, his new experiment, topped his own. So he's like, okay, now we're on equal ground. Let's collaborate. And obviously, well, when you find out why though, because this guy has done some amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, Pretorius has done some pretty cool stuff that you're hearing. So. He tells him to meet him somewhere. If I remember right, doesn't? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, for, first. Um, he declines altogether. Uh, he's like, he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm done with it all, kind of thing. And then I don't remember how he persuades him, but he does persuade him to at least meet him again. Right. Um, not necessarily into the collaboration just yet. Uh, that's that's what I remember. Right. And then uh, the next thing I remember is, uh, is this is this where um, they. Uh, Pretorius and his two henchmen go to the the tombs. Not yet. No, that's way later in the movie. Is it? Yeah. Because because uh, I, I they, they get a whole scene of um, 
Uh, this man, we're just struck. All right, guys, oh, we're back. We, we wanted to make sure we got our facts straight, so we pulled up the movie and we checked that little stuff we're out. We're both very tired and having a hard time remembering <laughs> what happened. So um, to retcon a couple of things that we said before. So uh, we did clarify that they were mastering people as far as Dr. Frankenstein being uh, the pupil, Dr. Pretorius being the master, the teacher, so to speak, and um, how he entices them to, to bring him into his home. Uh, that that mean, or What I mean is how Dr. Pretorius entices Frankenstein to bring him into his home is uh, he tells him about his own experiments. He's like, I too have created life in God's own image. And then he's like, what? I, I have to see. So it sparks the scientist's curiosity within Frankenstein. So then um, uh, he tells him, come over tonight. And then uh, it jumps right into the next scene of where he goes over to his house and then he starts talking about how um, he grew uh, uh, life instead of what Dr. Frankenstein was doing. Because uh, Pretorius did also try to raise the dead but failed. So he did a different experiment and he just cre- created, he, life. He created life. And so he pulls out these little jars. Yeah, he pulls them out like a, like a bag <laughs> or something or yeah. a box or something. There's this large box and he pulls out like four or five little jars. And, and then, they got like um, napkins over them or something. Don't yeah, they? yeah, they have they have black covers over them. Um, and he starts pulling off the covers. Uh, the, the first one, and um, uh, what was the first one? The princess, right? So um, they're these like little miniature people. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty well yeah. done. And so he pulls off the first one. It's a, it's it's a princess. She's sitting on a you know a throne chair and she's looking all proper and royal and. Um, Oh, obviously Frankenstein's shocked. He's like, wow. And so he's explaining the princess and, like, her sort of uh, attitude, I guess. Her characteristics. Yeah, yeah, her characteristics. And then he unleashes and he he uncovers another one and, like, this is the king. And he's, like, he's always going after the the princess or queen. I Um, think it was a queen. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, he's he's knocking on the glass. And he's, like, like, waving. (laughs) Trying to flirt with her. And then she's not having it at all. And she's like, oh, here we go uh, again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he, uh, he uncovers a third one, which is uh, a ballerina. Isn't it? Uh, no, no, no. That's the fourth. Oh, okay. So the 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 third one was actually I forgot the title, but he was. Um, oh, that was that title that we the Bergen figure, the the Burgundier Burgenmaster Burgenmaster. So it, it's it looks like someone from a clergy, right? Uh, just. Who's scolding the king yeah. and like, no, like you can't, you can't be doing that. Um, and obviously the king's not listening. He's, he's like climbing <laughs> on top of the throne now. So he's like, oh no, the king's escaped again. And the king <laughs> has now climbed out of his little jar and he's over annoying the, the queen in her jar. And he's like knocking on the glass again. And she's like, go away. And she's just like shooing him away. They have these little voices. like, yeah. <laughs> It's hilarious. Um, and then that's when he uh, unleashes the, or not unleashes, but Uncovers. reveals the fourth one. Which is the ballerina, and he's like, she does ballerina, but she only dances to one song, and I, I, I don't remember what the song right. was, but uh, uh, that that was pretty funny because um, it sounded like he was just so tired of that song. He's just like, oh, she only dances to this song. <laughs> and the fifth one was probably my favorite. Yeah. that was the mermaid. That was the mermaid. I was like, this is wow. You know what I mean? I exactly. Like, uh, so that that whole scene was fun and kooky. And was there another comedic. one too? That, no, that that was it. There, so uh, it was the. Because I was reading somewhere that um, 
I thought there was maybe it was a cutscene or something, but that they had like a devil one in one. That's right. You know, there was a sixth one. Okay, it was that's the devil what I thought. himself. It was the devil himself. And the last comment he has on that, he's like, he kind of looks like me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if you had got to that. And then they had to, they had to put so they he. he Uses like a pair of tongs to put the king, the king back back. into his. Job. And then he puts the, the book on top of yeah, it. Yeah, he puts the book on top of it because uh, the king's trying to break open. He has like a little rock or like like something. He's trying to break the glass to get to the the, the queen. queen. Uh, he puts his tea on top. That's what it is. Yeah. he puts his tea on top of the of the jar so the king can't escape again. The uh, special effects expert John P. Fulton and David S. Horsley spent two days shooting Doctor Pretorius's miniature beings. The actors were placed in full-size bell jars set against black velvet. These shots were meticulously lined up to match them with shots of Ernest Thesinger and Colin Clive and the interior set. So That's awesome. A little bit of special. They did a here. really, really good job with these special oh, yeah. effects. Uh, so I'm guessing, you know, black velvet was the old school green screen, basically. And then Felt at like some point in time... Um, and I imagine it, it had a, to do with uh, the accessibility of what... Uh, clothes you can put actors in uh, just because when it comes to special effects and that's how you get the shabby one like remember I was telling you about the shabby special effects in Invisible Man and how it looked like there's one particular scene scene. it just didn't look good at all he was like in his bathrobe yeah exactly and I I believe that has to do with uh, because you're using black velvet as your sort of um, uh, color to fill in whatever you want uh whatever dark colors you have on your clothes or lighting or anything, anything could affect sort of the special effect you're trying to pull off. And that's the same thing with, that's why they switched the green screen because uh, that color green is typically not a color you're going to have a character wear. So it's the least in common color that you're going to cast your actors in. And so it's the most ideal color to cast as a backdrop uh, to fill in whatever you want for like CGI uh, fake backgrounds and stuff. So anyway, um, back to the this recap, and now it gets switches back to the monster. Finally, he's um, just having a tough time. The monster, he is. is. So he's just uh, he he sees uh, a creek, and he, he rushes over. He's thirsty. He's super thirsty. <laughs> yeah, he's just been in a burning building, um, and he drinks some water. And then there's a. Uh, but I think um, he looks in the water too and sees that he's now even more disfigured. Yeah, right? he, he sees his face, and he's like, and smashes the water. And he smashes the water. Um, and then he sees a um, shepherdess. A shepherdess. Uh, <laughs> is that? The, I feel like there's a there's a there's a different name for uh, a shepherd who's. Well, that's just what they call her in the. Is, uh, is that what they? Yeah, the, they call her the shepherdess. Okay, I guess it's shepherdess. Um, so yeah, she she has her you know flock of sheep, and then he sees her, and <laughs> she's, she's on like the top of the cliff, <laughs> and she screams. <laughs> yeah, and then he's, just, he's like, no, he's just curious. He's like, he's no. Just like, no, I think he's trying to ask her for help, you know, yeah. or something. And she's just screaming, and then that's when um, after her scream, she falls in the water. She falls in the water. Yeah, so <laughs> then, dramatic. So so she just like stumbles backwards into the creek and drowns. I presume because everybody who falls in their water drowns. I guess. <laughs> And um, that's when uh, the mob suddenly comes back, and now they're chasing the monster again. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a is there a couple guys that are uh, hunting in the woods close by or something? Remember? I believe so. There's. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So. <laughs> 
playing it again. So, so we, we, I haven't, uh, we, we haven't pulled to the side right now to help us with our little recap. And I, I accidentally just replayed like, falling over and over. Oh yeah, you have the, you have the, uh, the kids are crying. Yeah, <laughs> but see, she's actually gets out of the water though. Remember, like she's a, screaming, and he's like, "Shush, yeah, shush, I just Arr, escaped a mile." <laughs> he's still doing his grunting, and then, uh, yep, the the two hunters. Yeah, come after him. Spot him. Oh, that's right. They they graze him in the arm. Yeah, they shoot him. Uh, that, that's another injury he gets because he just sustains these he's injuries like, the whole time. He's like, can I just catch a break? You know, I've been burned. <laughs> you know, I've, I'm I've been get shot. shot. Um, and uh, so I found this interesting. Remember when we were, what we were talking about in the Creature of the Black Lagoon episode, uh, that all the movies we had watched, there was like no blood. So this one does have traces of it. So after he gets shot, and you, you see the monster holding his arm, uh, and you can actually see like you know blood down and his this hand. This was tw- uh, like twenty years earlier than Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon is nineteen fifty four. This is nineteen. But I mean, even with the oldest one that we've covered so far, which was Dracula, uh, there was none in that, and then right. there was none in any of the other ones we've covered. Well, that's so what this I'm is saying. the first one that you've seen movie so that we've covered that that does show. Uh, and sort of any trace of blood, really, because you can see his hand. There's definitely something on his hand, which you presume is blood because he's been shot. Right. Uh, so then that's when the hunters go back to uh, town and um, they're like, we found him. And, you know, the they, they get the whole alive. mob. to Yeah. Uh, so they get the whole mob together, basically. And uh, now that now they're hunting him down again. And this comes. <laughs> is this the point where. Uh, they're, they're searching for him, and he cl- he's on top of that little cliff, and he throws that boulder yeah. and just and then he, then washes he, two guys. So they're chasing him, and he's fighting them back. And at one point, he he's on top of a hill waiting for him to pass by. And then he's, he's is that after a this big part? boulder? Yeah, it's it's before this actually. Okay. So um, yeah, he just throws a boulder. It is really well or, done. Yeah, no, I mean, it looks like he just squashes them. Probably it's probably one of the best sort of um, you know Frankenstein versus people uh, moments scene. that we've seen most of them you can just it's so obviously a doll but like this one it was actually pretty well done um but still like a bit comedic right <laughs> so they uh, finally overtake him they finally overtake him um they tie him up they're taking him i think they're gonna yeah. burn him at the stake now because they're like i thought so too that's what i thought uh, it was gonna but be. then they're like oh we're, we'll throw him in a prison cell yeah and i was like what uh, really? but yeah they're like throwing like Rocks and probably tomatoes. like with tomatoes and whatever at them. Kind of uh, like when you tell a bad joke. I just want to throw a <laughs> tomato at you. So they finally capture him, um, and uh, it does not last long. So there is a point where um, they tell. I think they're just uh, talking about like what to do with him. Like, oh, we'll figure. Like, we'll just keep him here overnight, and we'll figure out tomorrow or whatever. Um, and then the monster just breaks out the chains. Yeah, they just, yeah. They, well, they, they have him, remember? And they <laughs> oh, come, they, they were going to shoot the, him from right, the they door. They come to the door, yeah. and the guy's like going to shoot him because they know they hurt him. Yeah. And uh, Frank's like, I'm not having any of this. You know, He just yeah. takes that chain, and he's just like, <laughs> pulls it off, and you're like, uh-oh. Just breaks out of the And chains. then he just rips the door off the yeah. hinges, and you're like. He just rips the door off and uh, uh, kills the two guards. Yeah, and, and then, then he, moves on to the next door. And just rips it And out then rips too. that off. And all the townspeople are still out and about and just calming down finally from capturing him. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wish they would have had the uh, lady there going, ah, oh, know, <laughs> just right? one more time, right? So then he, he successfully escapes the town and his 
And he goes uh, and hides. Didn't prison. he go and hide in the tombs in the catacombs? No, uh, he actually. I know he gets there eventually. Yeah, he does. It's after the blind. He after the oh, whole yes. with the blind man. So touching moment of the movie. There's this whole section of the movie with just the monster and the blind man, um, which and I it, really enjoyed. It, actually, it really brings the monster to be uh, back to his human self because it does. Yeah, you're starting to find out that this is where uh, the hermit. He's sitting there and he's playing this uh, his violin or fiddle, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And, Playing uh, an instrument. Yeah, Frankenstein looks in the window. He's like, ah, oh, you know. He's really enjoying the music. Yeah, he's like, oh. And then the the blind guy puts down his thing. He, he hears something, and he goes over the door, and he opens it up. He's like, who's there? And Frankenstein's real quiet, and he's like, he's like, I mean you no harm. He's like, I'm blind. He's like, I can't yeah. see anything. He's like, I just heard you. So he goes back in, and he starts playing again. So then Frankenstein ends up in the in the camera. He's like, well, hello there, friend. You know, he's like, oh. Yeah. He's like, I've been praying day after day that God would friend. send me a friend. He's like, I'm blind. And he's like, and you can't speak. He's like, maybe you can be my eyes and I can be your, you know, your voice or whatever. Yeah. And so uh, he's like, are you hungry? You know, so they start, this is where you start seeing the relationship go because the blind guy doesn't know. And I think you can learn a lot from this. The blind guy doesn't know anything. Doesn't about know him. anything. It doesn't know what he looks like. Doesn't care. You know what I mean? And, All he knows uh, is that he wants a friend, and he's trying to help out, which uh, the world can use a lot of that today. You know, what oh I mean? yeah, for sure. based upon appearances, and you know, um, which is very insightful. But so they're sitting there, and uh, he goes, "This is bread." <laughs> he answers to Frankenstein, and Frankenstein's like, "Bread." <laughs> so now he's teaching Frankenstein how to talk, and you know, Frankenstein takes bread. He's, he's, and, and then it good. comes to, uh, uh, I think, both of our favorite parts. He's like, "This is wine," yeah, and he's like, "Drink." He's, <laughs> he's like. like Drink, drink, good, good. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> so he got really excited. Yeah, you know? and then he also gets excited. He's like, uh, this, this is a, uh, this is a cigar. It's one of my favorites. And he, and then, um, yeah, he goes. To I think when he goes to light it, and then he freaks out over the fire. He's like, no, it's no, okay. No, this like, is smoke. Good. <laughs> and then he's like, try. And then Frankenstein takes the cigar and he starts smoking. He's like, smoke. Good. <laughs> I just thought, where have we came? We come from this killer monster now down to this party animal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Very well Drink done. Drinking, he's smoking. So this time, I think this is where you see two hunters. Not uh, yet. Uh, first, they sort of establish more of a rapport. Um, and then... He starts the fire first, and he's like, fire, bad, bad. And he's like, no, fire, good. Right. Sometimes. He's like, sometimes things could be good and bad. Um, so he's like, fire, good. So uh, then he starts playing his uh, uh, violin again, right? Yeah. And then that's when they're playing. And then uh, I don't know if it's in the same scene or if it's like maybe time has passed kind of thing. Well, um, I think I think because I feel like no. A- here's what happens: is the two guys come to the door and knock, and Frankenstein looks out the window or whatever, and he goes and hides because they're telling the guy coming and saying, "Hey, the monsters escaped." Remember? That's right. Yeah. And um, this is where they see him inside, and they're like, "So there is a time skip." So he tells them to lay down and sleep, like you're really right. tired. And then it shows a later scene where we're with the fire I was talking about. Then he starts playing the music. And then that's when the hunters come in and we're like, uh, we're looking for a monster. And he's like, I have no idea. And then, um, he's like, why don't you just come inside and, and we can, we can talk or like, I can feed you stuff like that. He's, you know, he's just being his nice self. And then that's when they see, uh, the monster. And then they're like, that's him. Yeah. Um, and then the blind like, no, guy no, is like, no, that's, no, my, that's friend. my friend. <laughs> uh, 
And so they're trying, they, they like lead the blind man away. And then he's like, no, he's my friend. And um, they're, they're trying to attack the monster. And uh, they set the house on fire and attempts to replicate kind of what happened in the, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the windmill. Right. Except he escapes this time. He does. Yeah. He escapes right away. Um, I think this is also, is this also where he, um, when does he meet the uh, gypsies? Was that already passed? Uh, that's right. Uh, as he's trying to escape. Um, cause after the hunters, I wish there was a, oh, there we go. Like, yeah. I, I wish there was a better way to skip through and try to figure out where we are. So yeah. So here's the burning. He escapes the, the house cause they think they got him. So right. they set the house on fire. They take the blind guy and then they leave. And then that's when they show the, uh, uh, he's scaring people away. And everybody's like, ah, and then he, he runs through the cemetery. That's how he loses the crowd again. So the mob's after him again. Yeah, he's like toppling over him. statues. So yeah, and he topples. Uh, he, he topples over uh, one particular statue, which is um, uh, a small grave that he can he can climb into and hide. Uh, to which all the mob is like. He went that way, you right. know that classic. Like he didn't clearly, but you know, the, if they would have only had better trackers at any point in any of these movies, like the Wolfman, this I know, right? Like really, just they're a dog away from finding him. But what, <laughs> but what was interesting is that so now you have the other guy down in the grave, right? No, no, that, I mean, that's Frankenstein, a different. Frankenstein's in there, but he's in a he's in a he's not in a grave. He's in a. Uh, Mausoleum, right? Yeah. Something like that. That's like a crypt. A, oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. He's so he's, he falls or not falls into. He, he ends up hiding in the crypt, which is connected to a sort of larger crypt, right? Uh, that's connected uh, in like a tunnel. And there's just and all, all kinds of graves in here. That's when Doctor Pretorius and his two nefarious henchmen <laughs> yeah. are there to find a body for the experiment the that they're going to perform on. Exactly. Um, and Frankenstein's like over there hiding in the shadows. So, I was so like, that that is something that uh, I just now remembered that we did kind of skim over. So after Frankenstein sees Doctor Pretorius' experiments, he agrees to do the collaboration, and that's why he goes to find a cadaver. Well, because they he, to he make... still doesn't know that Frankenstein is alive. Exactly the monster. Um, I don't think so Frankenstein he, knows he because Cause that's, as soon as he does, he he's like, I call it off. I don't want to do it anymore. Like I'm done. Um, I want to just go back to plan. B, which was just, I'm taking my fiance. We're getting married, and we're getting out of here. Right. Um, but yeah, so they're in the crypt, and then that's when um, Pl- uh, uh, Platorius finds Frankenstein. Exactly. So, well, more so the other way around. Right, Frankenstein right. comes up on Pretorius, and I was like, I wonder what kind of reaction he's going to have. And he has the most interesting reaction, I think. He just turns around. And he's like, oh. Hello. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, you're in a crypt, and you see, and and I kind of wonder if he knows that's if he knows that that is Frankenstein, which I think he has to know that that is the monster because the way he acts, yeah, he's not scared. It's exactly. like you've seen him before, and he's like, hey, I can use this guy to my advantage to help uh, bring Frankenstein, uh, Doctor Frankenstein, further along in this experiment. Exactly, because I think he was going to do the experiment regardless whether Frankenstein was there or not. Yep. But he knew it would work with Frankenstein. Exactly. And uh, what I think is interesting is that um, you, you get sort of a small clip of the two henchmen 
and then they're talking to like this this is all really weird and if this really goes any further i'm gonna call the police on them myself right. <laughs> interesting because they've both admitted that they're like murderers and thieves right and, <laughs> and i was like how is this gonna work like is it, if there's a reward out or something you know what i mean and then I, I thought it was a very interesting scene with Pretorius because he's sitting in the crypt that they just the and, and then the the coffin that they just opened to the body that they're going to use for the experiment, and he's just having a celebratory glass of wine in front of the skull and candles. And and it's you know, almost like this. It makes you wonder where is this big mob? And they're in this crypt. How did they get in there? Because they didn't come the same way Frankenstein came. Oh, in. Oh, not at all. Um, and you know, well, it, the mob's already still. That's what I'm saying. They're outside, direction. but you know, uh, well, it, they they cleared very quickly. So as soon as Frankenstein went down into the crypt, you, that's when you see the the mob come by and they're like. But he what went I'm saying is, the other ones came from another angle, so they they would have. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, you know how easily it is to for the mob to lose people. I mean, remember in the first one, uh, Frankenstein had you know some of the mob with him, and he's like, "No, he went this way. He went this way." And the mob's just trailblazing down. The rock, he's like, "Fine, I'm just gonna go myself." Um, I would imagine so many people would go unnoticed. So right. for like three guys to sneak into a crypt would be well. They're probably bad. used to hiding in the shadows anyway. Yeah. So exactly. So now he has his body. Uh, and now they're going to have the conversation of, hey, you're my friend. Uh, you're coming with me. I got something we can do. You know, because I think yep. he's like me friend, you know, and is this where he's wanting? Uh, th- yeah, this is where he, he says, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Right. Well, and then he's, he's like, like well, well, let me I persuade would... you. I have a friend who can persuade you. Yeah. And, and, and he's and, like, he calls the monster in. Yeah. He's like, he just waves his hand. You see him walk in and you see the fear in Frankenstein's eye. You're like, yeah. he's like, what is going on? Because this guy just threw me off a windmill a day ago or two days ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, so he's like, he's like, I won't and... do it no, no matter what. He's like, well, he's like, no, he's he's like, I won't talk about it with him here. Right. He's like, I'll uh, come see uh, you. And I think this is after uh, the monsters like sit. Yeah. Sit. Which we talked about this because uh, I had told you, I was like, if you remember when Frankenstein walks in, in the original Frankenstein, the first thing that Dr. Frankenstein does to the monster after you see him walk in is he's he turns around, he's like, he takes his hands and he's like, sit, sit, sit. He's like, he'll understand me, sit. And in this movie, when Fred, the monster comes into Frankenstein, Frankenstein's just standing up like, I can't believe you're here. Yeah. And the monster goes, sit, sit, with the same arm motions. So he has exactly. the memory of what he showed him. And now he's even more scared because Frankenstein knows how to talk. Well, and, and it's really interesting. So they did, when he meets up with the blind guy at first, the blind guy says, um, uh, he's like, like, shake your head, nod your head if you can understand what I'm saying. Because uh, he didn't know if he can not speak and not understand or if he just couldn't speak what he could understand. Right. And then you find out that the monster can understand speech. It's right. just he can't speak. He can't. Speak. Yeah, he can't. So uh, at this point now he's learning speech and he's, you know, sit, sit. Um, and then Pretorius tells him to leave because Frankenstein doesn't want anything to do with him. So you see um, Frankenstein walk out and you see him look in the room where uh, Frankenstein's wife is. When, wait. When the monster leaves. Oh, yeah, that's right. Here, that's right. Um, he, 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 walk, he tells the monster to leave and the Frankenstein walks around and he sees that's right. Elizabeth uh, Frankenstein uh, in her in her bedroom or whatever. Yeah, and then that's when he kidnaps her. Right, that's what I'm saying. He he kidnaps her, but uh, you don't know this. Uh, Frankenstein doesn't know this yet because I think uh, he's like, you've got so such and such time to come to me. Yeah, and or, then he shortens that time 
significantly very quickly because like, that, yeah, that's you, when it's like you'll do it now it's like she's safe yeah. for now when our favorite you, actress comes in ah, <laughs> you know she deserves an academy award you know we're gonna pass out our own awards at the end of this and our recap and we're gonna pass out you know the best, best scream monster, award you're right uh but it, yeah you got to give her something because she's fantastic and she's hilarious oh yeah uh so now you come to the point where dr pretorius has uh, you don't know where she's at, but she's he's got Elizabeth kidnapped. Yep. And he's like, hey, we're going to do this. If you don't do this, we're going to kill her. Yeah. And then you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So exactly. I've got your monster. So um, now Platorius and Frankenstein, you see them. He's like, he's fine. now in this force collaboration. Fine, I'll do it. Uh, he's like, just don't hurt her. He's like, we want her, but once once we're done, That's she's it. yours. So what what was really interesting? I think we're coming up on the scene where um, they're in the they're in the they're back at his laboratory. Yep, if you will, and you see the heart. Yeah, the, that the machine. artificial heart that Doctor like, Pretorius yeah, grew, and he's like, it stopped. He's like, this is not going. He's like, I need a new heart. Which well, yeah, so <laughs> this is the- it's connected to this interesting machine that that's uh, calculating the heartbeat, and then they get the heartbeat starts going. It's it's good, and he's like, this is a heart a, a, a heart that I grew, but the heart is the hardest organ to replicate because right. he has all the other organs inside the uh, cadaver, um, except the heart because the heart's the hardest thing. So uh, it's beating, it's beating, but then it starts getting irregular. A heartbeat, and then it just stops, and then um, and Frankenstein's like, that's when Frankenstein is like, I, I need a, a, a fresh heart, uh, <laughs> which is this is where it gets crazy. <laughs> so uh, Platorius tells uh, the, the the two inch Carl, man. yeah, yeah, he tells Carl, he's like, hey, uh, I need a new heart, I need a fresh heart. He's, he's like, like, preferably I don't care. someone who's died recently. Yeah, he's like, I don't care where you get it. He's like, I just somebody that's you know a fresh one. He's that's, like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so he so hiding he in the shadow. And hiding this, in the shadow. You see this lady walking down the street. You and know, he just pulls, pulls out a knife. Poor just, woman. Yeah, yeah. And so he comes back with and the heart. And he her heart. And, and, he's, and they hook it up to the machine. And he's, oh, it's perfect. It's beating perfectly. It's taken. Blah, he's blah, like, blah. This, this is he's really like, fresh. He's like, where'd you get it? He's like, uh. <laughs> and then he's like, I got it from the mortuary. And he's like, which one? Yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and then Dr. Pretorius just completely just skates past that conversation. He's like, it doesn't matter anymore let's, gonna, just... let's let's get it into the monster right because the storm's coming yeah so they get the heart in and um now you see you know the they uh the storm's coming so they have they got they got a really elaborate system going so this is what i really like about this scene is uh, obviously in the first movie uh there's a lot of dialogue of what's happening but not so much a theatric sort of facade of what's going ha- what's happening and this one they really go above and beyond to show the entire process and a lot of the inner workings of their machine they show that he's like uh, telling the two henchmen guys set up the kites and then you know the kites get set up you see those getting ready to absorb the lightning uh you, you see him pulling up the rod and at the top of the the lab and then it's extended way up yeah, there now. extended way up in so the he's air. done some work to his laboratory since the other movie yep most definitely and um so which is kind of odd because it's only a day or two later, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, you know, all, all this stuff happens. And actually, you know what? It, it's a lot further because um, Frankenstein gets some rest. Right, so a time I know, but I'm just saying. And, I, yeah, I don't think it's. It feels like one. Or but two I don't days think Frankenstein sure, was going to be working in his laboratory no, not like at that. All. Yeah, so like, either that he, he was just talking to didn't use it in the other movie, right? Either he didn't use it in the other movie or it's a plot. I always saw it as. Um, 
that was what they envisioned the first time. They just couldn't elaborate on it, so it's the same lab. Or if there was a time jump between here and there, and that's true too. He's like, "We're going to do this. We got to do this right." They collaborated on their plan. But I feel like a- after his fiance gets kidnapped, it's all pretty in sequence from there, right? So, uh, but yeah, the, the whole theatrics of them doing the experiment itself, um, I thought that was pretty amazing. I, I, I really enjoyed it. So they, they come to the point where they've got the heart in there, and you, and you see her. She's just – they have her wrapped up like the mummy. Yeah. And bandages. And uh, if you – like you were saying, like the things come out the side of her head. Remember that, you know, yep. they've got all this new high-tech gadget stuff. Oh, yeah. And so they raise her up, uh, raise her to the you know top or whatever. Before all this happens, though, like – Frankenstein's working and he's just like I can't do this I'm so tired I need sleep and then Frank uh, the monster is just no work right. work well and uh, something else uh, is this where Frankenstein goes to the top of the thing where the kites are does he go up there I thought he goes up there and he he either kills one of the guys throws he doesn't them off, no, no, or no, no, he no. scares them or something um, remember that's way later that's after they successfully is it maybe it's during I, I was gonna check. say I thought because they, they're still up there on the top so the, anyway, the I remember co- one of the, something happens. Something happens upstairs thing. where you know. Oh no! They drugged Frankenstein. Remember? Remember? They, oh, because they, yeah, he was making a like, fuss. He's like, come so here, buddy, come here, and have he, a drink, and yeah, then and he, uh, he, he he knocked him out with the wine. So uh, he's down there, and so he knocks out. So the, now they're raising her up there, or whatever. Oh, and then there's the he, he doesn't want to continue because he's like, I don't know if my fiance is dead or not. And then he pulls he calls out. Her. He calls the her the first cell phone. With a, yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, and he's like, he's like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's a device that lets you communicate. You can't see her over long distance, but you, you can't can hear. See, yeah, you can't see her, but you can hear. So I thought that was really interesting. Probably one of his own inventions, right? right. Um, so he hears her voice. He's convinced, and then. Uh, you know, that's when they continue with the experiment. Everything's going very well. I just, I'm trying to figure out how the two henchmen died because I don't, I don't know remember. if both of them died because I think one, one of them one did because well, one of them one falls of off. up top and the yeah. other one is still with the lady. I think Carl was at the top. I don't know if he falls off though, does he? I'm pretty sure he falls. I remember Frankenstein going up there and he's like, Rah! you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm like, he, I'm like 80% sure that he falls. <laughs> I was waiting for him just to toss him off the side. Yeah. So the uh, the storm's coming. Yeah, the, okay. It is during, you know, uh, giving life to the second experiment, right? And I don't understand. Oh, the because monster, he gets the fire. Remember, he's like, stay yeah. back. He's scared of him. And he's like, stay back, stay back. And then uh, that's Frank's when... Frank's like, nah, I got you. Yeah. And then he... I don't remember if he tosses him off or if he just falls I don't off. even know if he falls. I think he just... I will drops. say at one point there's a just a oh See, yeah, he, he just falls. He, so they're he having a tussle. He didn't fall though. He just he just fell to the the top of the. I oh, no, no. He fell fell. No. Yeah no no look he's, he's right fell, there. Fell. No look there now he throws him off. So oh, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was like, at the point so he falls that's right he falls down. he falls down and then the monster, monster just, just picks him up and throws him right. Hilarious. So now lightning has struck the thing they're lowering the thing Frankenstein's still on top of the building and. uh no, no, he's he's down. He's looking up at the the sky. Not light. not Frankenstein, the monster. Oh yeah, yeah, still yeah. The, the, the Frankenstein's at the right. Top. Yeah, yeah. And so, this is where she comes down, or the bride comes down, and and they're like, look, and you see her hand move. Yeah, and they're like, like Rizzo, she's here, she's she's here, and uh, I mean, just what they did to her, she looks more like the mummy than. Yeah, know. right. When, especially the way she like, like and then she raises her arms, she's like Whoa. gets up, she's like raises her arms, and they, and he's they like, finally unbandage her. Uh, he's excited over a successful experiment. Now, here's here's what I find interesting is like 
They undo the bandages. And her hair is just totally... And her hair just randomly poof. is poofed out. Cause like, but like, I think there's a time lapse too, watch, because if you see this... Oh, there is, because they get now, like, It looks like she's in a wedding and dress. Everything. Yeah. I was like... And now look at her. She's just like... And then she has these like erratic mo- yeah, like, motions, like she's, almost she's that like, of like a, I, like, uh, like a robot almost, or like an animal, really. Right. Like that, that's how I felt. Is like is, like her movements were very you animalistic. Could tell she, you tell she was scared, but but yeah. the thing about her is she was already doing commands like walk. You know, she's walking and and stuff, and she she's you know uh, she's oh, scared. That's I think. what it was. It's an artificial brain. Right, because that was the that was the special thing about this particular experiment is it was an artificial brain that Dr. Pretorius made. Right, because he was so used to making those little miniature yeah. ones, he had already uh, come up with it. But uh, so now you're getting to the point where she's like, "Where am I? What's going on?" She's taking all this in. Here comes Frankenstein. He's ready. He's like, "Ha, oh, yeah, friend!" <laughs> yeah, he comes in. He's like, "Ha, oh, friend!" And you could just tell, man, he's amazed that they've done it again. And now, hey, I've got a friend that's like me. Yeah, and not like you. Uh, so he's pretty excited. But she is not. Amazed. And she's she is not having any of it. Just the loudest screech from and, her. Yeah, there it is. She's like she, it's like a cat hissing. Well, for, at first I, she screams. She doesn't hiss until almost the second time because he he tries to warm up to her. So the first he, time he she takes screams, her hand and she's like, rather, and then she, she here we go. <laughs> Frank. She, he runs in. See, she, she like screams and then she runs to. Uh, 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 that's right. Frankenstein tells um, her to come sit down, I think. leads her over to the couch, and he sits her down. And then Frankenstein sits... Uh, Pretorius takes Frankenstein's monster to the couch. He sits him down. They try to, like, warm up. Have her warm uh, <laughs> Talk warm about up a blind date. I know, right? So he, he takes <laughs> her me. hand, and he's like... Yeah, he's like, friend. Okay. I think that's where he's like, friend. It'll be okay. And then uh, they're all like... Wait. And Frankenstein's like, yeah! <laughs> and next thing you know, she's like... She's scared of him. She's horrified. Yeah. She looks up at his face again, and she's that's when she like screams and yeah. hisses. And uh, this is where Frankenstein is like, "What did you do? She'd no like me." Uh, He's basically realizing it is not going to work. Like, like not only is his existence uh, just un- just not supposed to be a thing, <laughs> um, but that there he he will never find solace with somebody like him. Right. Also. So. They're like, no, don't, don't touch that lever. Don't it, pull the switch. It's like you're killing. It'll us unstabilize off. everything. And his, uh, Frankenstein's fiance has come because she escaped the clutches of the other uh, henchman. Uh, henchman and, right. And Frankenstein um, unlocks the door, and this is where uh, Frank's like, "You go, you live." He's go, like, "You live." Yeah, and, and then he's like, "We die" or something yeah. like that. Uh, Which I kind of wonder if um, the little people were there. Because I'd I'll love to see a too. spin-off of <laughs> the Mad King or something. So here's, here's what I found interesting. And, in, you know, every movie I feel like there's a little inconsistency that we sort of nitpick at. And for the most part, I really enjoyed everything about this movie. But the only thing I, I felt sort of I, I wasn't convinced on why it was happening was the monster letting Frankenstein live. I didn't understand because there wasn't really a relationship built up between them except he threw him off a windmill. The and then, only thing I can think of is because Frankenstein kidnapped his girlfriend or his fiance wife whatever she yeah. is now and like, he sees well I mean and he sees that hey they have something that I wanted and mine's not working out so I'm not going to ruin their life cuz he has found happy look he's he's tried to create me a monster I think he's he finally realized like hey he tried it didn't yeah. work B 
I'm just going to kill this crazy lady because <laughs> I don't want no part of that. And then he knows that probably because he spent time with Platorius, I think he also knows like this guy's bad news because if we don't stop yeah. him, he's only going to keep going more and, and that, that's more. Another thing and more. That, that's interesting is sort of uh, you see his his mind grow as far as learning kind he was of adapting right and so wrong. Because well. at first, like he had no idea what right and wrong is. He's just murdering people, doesn't know it. Um, but then at one point, now he's just, then he was just trying to escape, and people were just chasing him. So then he you kind of feel sorry for him. You do, and then with the blind guy, you really feel he develops sort of empathy, sympathy a little bit, and then like just starts actually becoming a person because he's being taught how he should have been taught in the first place. Right. Um, and then uh, after that, it's just uh, him wanting someone like himself, and that pursuit of that, and then finally, you know, his last act of taking himself out and uh, Pretorius and the other monster that they created. Um, he pulls the switch. And then, he, yeah, he pulls the switch. So, which is interesting because it's like Frankenstein and his fiance would have had to have ample enough time to get away, which far enough the, away from that. And, well, if you remember when he pulls the switch and the stuff starts blowing up because he, he, sees, he pulls, hits a switch and it's like a self-destruct button, you know, like yeah. it, it, it always reminds me of like a, a super secret bad guy, you know, in the movies that, hey, if I ever get found, there's a self-auto-destruct button. That yeah. Even, like, the Starship Enterprise, like we talked, has a self-destruct button. A lot of, uh, you know, the notes that Inspector Gadget would get, oh, this yeah. note will self-destruct. Self-destruct. Right. So uh, once he flips that switch, it's blowing everything. There's not going to be any uh, oh, yeah. any way Dr. Frankenstein can start doing his experiments again. All of his notes, I feel, everything all of his there, uh, yeah. laboratory equipment, I think everything that he needed was in there and Frankenstein knew that too or the monster knew that and I think that's why he blew it up too because he doesn't he definitely doesn't want Platorius to try again and he oh, really yeah. hopes Frankenstein just turns away because he wants him to start a new life and just go enjoy it so you see them two walk out he pulls the switch and then rocks are falling like right when they walk away oh yeah the there. whole thing collapses in and this thing basically. is blowing boulders miles sideways and everything yeah. you know what I mean and it was somehow Frankenstein and his, his fiance have gotten far enough to just kind of Watch it from a distance, right? Uh, as as the chaos ensues, and and that's pretty much the end of it. It's like you just kind of see the the uh, destruction of the lab and the building it was in, and it's so. Just... Once again, we have a Universal monster movie that just ends abruptly. Like they all just... end once the monsters dealt with, right? That's the thing, and it just ends. I was wanting some closure, you know. I don't know. I, there's obviously more Frankenstein movies that we haven't watched yet. You know yeah. what I mean? So I'm hoping it ties in somehow. So let's go ahead and talk about this. Uh, some facts about this movie. Uh, the girl who played Maria, uh, the, the girl that in the original Frankenstein that got yeah. drowned, uh, and her dad appears in this movie. She actually has a cameo in this movie. She is the um, leader of the group of the young girl girls when the monster's walking around. Ah, oh, yeah, look. Yeah. She says, look. And uh, James Well actually gave her that because uh, he, he wanted her to be paid more than some of the other actors, be as a build actress, yeah. be paid more since of what she did. Uh, not long before filming, Colin Clive, who played Dr. Frankenstein, broke his leg in a horse riding accident. Consequently, most of his, uh, Frankenstein's scenes were shot with him sitting. Huh. That's why you see a lot of him sitting, yeah. you know, when he comes in and sits down at the table and they're talking and he sees the little people. Everything sitting you see, down. sitting down. Yeah. Um, Karloff did not want the monster to speak in this movie. He was like, look, I'm a monster, you know, I shouldn't speak. But, you know, he was overruled. Um, I think I, I liked the, the the speech that they gave him. Yeah. It's very simple, but it's effective in like getting the point. But across. he was not um, because they made him work. He was not able to remove his partial bridge work he had done to help give the monster his sunken cheek appearances in the first Frankenstein. That's oh, why he yeah. looks different. 
He looks different. Um, the uh, lady that played the Bride of Frankenstein, uh, Elsa Lanchester, said that her hissing performance and spitting was inspired by swans in Regent <laughs> Park, London. She's like, they're really very nasty creatures. <laughs> I was like, they oh, are. swan. It's very true. Um, Boris Karloff lost 20 pounds laboring uh, in the costume for this movie. Uh, where this is one that me and you talked about a little bit when filming the scene where the monster emerges from the burnt windmill, Boris oh, Karloff yeah. slipped and fell into the water-filled well. Upon being helped out, it was discovered that he had dislocated a hip in the fall. The hip was strapped into place, and Karloff went on about his work. He continued to receive uh, massage and heat treatments from the hip for the rest of the shooting of the film. Uh, Colin Clive, who was Frankenstein, he was uh, his alcoholism got really bad. Yep. Um, so, but they didn't want to do any intervention because they liked his hysterical quality that he provided for the film. <laughs> uh, the musical soundtrack for this film provided so popular it was used again in the Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers serial starring Buster Crab. I thought that was pretty oh, interesting. Man, we got to do Flash Gordon. Uh, Flash yeah. Gordon. Uh, <laughs> once again, Jack P. Mears did the makeup, uh, but he had, he altered the the Frankenstein makeup, you know, because uh, to show that he had survived the fire. Yeah. Um, at the end of Frankenstein, and so he added some of the flesh burns to him. Um, the 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 uh, lady monster, the monster mate. She was only five foot four, but for the role was placed on stilts that made her seven foot tall. The bandages were replaced so tightly on her that she was unable to move and had to be carried about the studio and fed through a straw. <laughs> Uh, that's taking your. Uh, this was a uh, film was enti- entirely in the studio. Uh, the bride makeup took over three hours for her face alone. Holy crap! And Boris Karloff took five. I was like, man, the, the, I'm I'm sure some of these guys are glad today that they don't have to go through some of the stuff they had to. Because can you imagine shooting day after day again that consistency and makeup? I mean, it still happens with a lot of movies that use heavy, um, like uh, 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 what do you call it? Um. Just, you know, makeup and, and layers of, uh, uh, you know, whatever fake prosthetic Like zombies. Stuff. And- yeah, exactly. Because, uh, you know, you don't want to use – you don't you don't want to always use special effects when you can achieve it through other means. So uh, I know a recent example was uh, – I mean, I guess it's not so recent anymore. But, you know, when they were doing Mystique and X-Man, that was like eight hours to get her that makeup that on blue, her. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Alyssa Lanchester played the, the bride – uh, she had to spend days dressed up in that bandages, man, and, and that she would even have to be fed because even her fingers, if you've seen the movie, her fingers are even taped. Yep, everything's wrapped. But she had to spend days. And what's interesting, well, and also her shock hairdo, it was held in place by a wired horse hair cage. <laughs> but but what a lot of people don't realize that have probably watched this movie or haven't watched this movie yet is it's The Bride of Frankenstein. She's only in the movie three minutes, if that. Yeah. And to be have to be in that bandages for days... For three minutes of the film, you know, total. I mean, I'm talking bandages yeah. and... Uh, just, just for a couple of scenes. She's barely in the movie for the last couple of minutes. Barely. And that's it. Yeah, three minutes of screen time, the entire film. Uh, Boris Karloff was paid $2,500 per week for a total of $12,500. A large sum in the mid-30s, but perhaps not enough to compensate the 48-year-old for playing the role in the elaborate makeup and heavy costume. And he already had severe arthritis by this time, so yeah. I'm sure it wasn't no easy then, task for him. The nine million the movie made. Uh, James Wellen, yeah. the studio psychiatrist, selected 44 simple words for the monster's vocabulary by looking at test papers of ten year olds working at the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of kid is putting wine down? As <laughs> the question is, good, like, good, wine, <laughs> good. Uh, friend. 
even though the bride was James uh, Wells' conception, uh, Jack P. P. Pierce behaved as though, he, uh, according to the the monster mate, that uh, the bride that he really thought that he had created these characters. That he even came uh, to be made up. He would be in a full doctor's lab coat and with a uh, cold attitude, like yeah, <laughs> like hey, you're my creation. <laughs> uh, so this is you know obviously it's on Roger Ebert's greatest movies list. Um, it's the thousand one movies before you die. Uh, so it's part of a great movie. So Terrence, go ahead and tell me your thoughts on this. Oh, one one thing real quick. As among the American Film Institute two thousand list of the five hundred movies nominated for the top one hundred funniest American movies. <laughs> That's, All right, Terrence. I didn't see that one coming. So really tell me didn't. your thoughts on this movie. I, I highly enjoyed this one. Um, I like this infinitely better than the first. Uh, it, it was just really enjoyable. It was comedic. It had it had sort of it takes you through all the emotions. This movie, like you know, you, you, you feel sad in, in a way. You know, uh, just you feel about compassion for the monster. Yeah, you do. Um, obviously, there's comedic scenes. You see the compassion. Between you know him and the blind man, uh, I definitely felt like really sad when uh, you know he tore him away from the blind, or they turned the blind man away from uh, the monster because like all the blind man wanted was a friend, and he finally got a friend, and then and Frankenstein's been looking for a friend to teach him yeah, some stuff, and I and think they, uh, they really a forced that relationship apart, and uh, you know that felt really sad because he was just so happy. He's like, finally, God sent me a friend. He's listening. And, and, oh, and you really like the Dr. Platorius in this too, didn't he you? He was such a great sort of uh, antagonist, because he really is the antagonist of this movie, and not so much the monster anymore. Um, and then just the way he carries himself. It's his whole sort of vibe that I think just fits really, really well. into, And it really showcases when he first meets the monster. He's just he's having a wine in a crypt of all places. He's just enjoying a drink in celebration of a cadaver he found that's perfect for an experiment. <laughs> in a crypt. In a crypt. And then in this dark at night, in this dark crypt, he's approached by a monster. And at no point does he look phased at all. He's almost he's like, just, oh, well, hello there, friend, yeah. is, what, is what I was expecting and to so, say. Uh, just, just the way he speaks and everything, it's great. Um so where are you putting this on your list of the monster movies? This is where it starts getting – now that we're adding more movies to the list, it's getting <laughs> harder to place them, especially when I have more and more time to think about it because I feel like my list changes almost every time. Uh, Which is a good thing though. Yeah. Um, and I really kind of want to put this one at the top in a way, like almost tied maybe for number one. With The Invisible Man? Yeah, and I almost kind of it's almost a three way tie, so I can call them my top three and not in order. But the Invisible Man, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, and the Mummy, like I highly enjoyed all three. And then uh, as a super close second would be Wolfman, and then and everything else just so you know, it's pretty falls interesting that. that two of your top three movies star Boris Karloff too. Oh yeah, I mean Brooks, Boris Karloff's great. Right. <laughs> so yeah, this is a great movie. Uh, like I said, that's why we're doing these movies. Terrence has never seen any of these, or if he has, it's been so long that he doesn't remember. I've seen. Never he doesn't. Seen. He, he doesn't even remember what we watched last last week. So. What did we have for breakfast. I don't um, know. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. We've went a little long this episode, but we wanted to make sure that podcast good. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those. Epi- this is one of those movies that there was just a lot more information because it is a sequel to one we've already covered. So we wanted to make sure that we got all of our facts straight, and that's why we pulled up the movie uh, while we were sitting here to make sure that we weren't spewing false information or yeah. try, just not trying to remember like uh, uh. 
So yeah, so I think this episode's coming to a close. We will be doing the nineteen, the very first original Universal monster movie, the, uh, Hunchback. the Hunchback of Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, starring Lon Chaney, and it is a silent movie, a long one. It's a long one because they had to throw up the sign, the you know, the blanks were so it's an uh, hour and forty nine minutes. I know Terrence is looking forward <laughs> to it and watching that. He, he probably won't even like the movie, which is even going to be greater. Well, okay, <laughs> so here's what's funny. Just to preface our next episode is uh. You know, we, we agreed to do Hunchback of Notre Dame just because it was the first one. Um, but I was like, I don't know how I feel about it because I didn't even like the re- cartoon rendition. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's one that is really good where it's – I think it's 1939. But it, I looked at it and it's – There's one in the 60s. Well, but in yeah. the 30 – I think it's 39. It's a black and white and it's not even a Universal Monster one. So oh, yeah. It was, made I, by it was just studio. another rendition. So I wanted to make sure that we stuck to the Universal Monster version. Yeah. It, just like we're going to be doing Phantom of the Opera. We I did the silent one from 1921 uh, solo because you weren't here that week. Yeah. But this is the Universal Monster one. So I want to yep. make sure we see how Universal portrayed the monsters all the way through. Yep. Also, uh, be on the lookout on the Facebook group post because I'm going probably going to throw the, the, this, uh, the uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame up as a watch party because – I can do that on there. It's one that I found that yeah. hey, it'll work. So, but this this has gone on far too long already, Terrence. And yeah. you keep dragging us out. So, with that being said, this episode's coming to a close, and that's a wrap and, and cut. cut.